What is up, Fathom fam? It's a holy roar in the room when people are connecting. Maybe you're connecting with an old friend, meeting new friends. And uh, it's so good to, to be with you today. Uh, if you're new here, if you're checking out Fathom maybe for the first time or, or just coming along the, uh, new in this journey, I don't think there's a, a better time in the year you can jump on right now. And just to see what God's going to do this fall, it's going to be just amazing. So we're thankful you're here. Hope that this continues to be a place that you feel like you can grow in faith and you can grow in family too. And that's what this is. We call it the Fathom Fam. So we welcome you to the Fathom Fam. We welcome everybody watching online, the Fathom Fam that's at home sick or running around town trying to finish up last minute things or in other parts of the country or world. We love you guys and are thankful for you. Uh, excited for, for what God's going to speak today. Uh, how many of you guys had fun at the back school bash? Those of you there yesterday, amazing. <laughs> Incredible, incredible day. We were able to reach hundreds of people. I think the final count somewhere like right under 500 people on site. So pretty in, incredible. Uh, just lots of amazing ministry took place. So thank you for your faithfulness and giving that allows us to sow and pour into. You did that. Like that, that wasn't something that, that just we did. That's something we're all doing together. So thank you for being a part of that. Whether you could volunteer or not, uh, you're a part of it in your giving. So thank you uh, for that. Uh, I'm excited. Today's, uh, we're kicking off a brand new series called The Best Yes. I had this friend uh, a long time ago um, that when every time we would go out to uh, lunch or, or dinner or something, um, he would always, uh, you know, pick something. And every single time he got the food, he hated it. You ever, you ever with somebody like every time they ordered, they just make bad decisions when it comes to their food. And they're always like, why did I do this? And he would take four bites. And he's like, this is terrible. I should have gone with what. And, and I'm not the most adventurous eater in the world, but I do like to try different things like curry, for example. I like curry, but there's certain types of curry I don't like. I just kind of know my taste buds and I kind of go with what I know is in my lane and what I know I, I like, but he would never do that. So I would always enjoy my meal and he would always hate his. It was the same thing all the time. He'd be so unhappy with what he ordered. And, uh, and I got to thinking about that just in a broader scale of life and, and how some of us were really unhappy with uh, what we feel dealt to us in life. We're, we're unhappy with our health. We're unhappy uh, with our financial situation. We're unhappy uh, with the direction of our relationship or our marriage, or we're, we're, un, we're just, we just find unhappiness in certain pockets of life. And maybe you look at all those things, you're like, I'm kind of unhappy in all those things right now. And that's okay. That's okay. It's okay to, to be where you're at. But um, what I want us to realize, what I think often we don't realize when we're unhappy about one area of our life, is that our lives are just a collection of our habits and, and more so our decisions. And really, at the root of what we're really unhappy with is our ability to make good decisions. <laughs> and, and some of us are carrying shame in here today because we're unhappy with the way our life looks. We're unhappy with what our decisions have led us. And the, the reality is that that should lead us to be completely reliant upon the grace of God, completely reliant on the Holy Spirit to guide us because we don't trust ourselves to make good decisions, we don't, but you know what it usually does? It actually, usually where we end up going is we end up passing the buck. And we blame everybody else and we just continue the cycle of unhappiness and we walk in circles of our life, unhappy about certain areas, yet nothing has ever changed. Proverbs 16, 9 uh, says, um, says this, the mind of a man plans his way, but it's the Lord who directs his steps. So God is sovereign over everything, but he, 
He gifts us free will. And within that, he wants to guide and direct us towards like, the best life that he has for us. Who, who, not just what he's called us to do, but who he's called us to be. I think this is a core principle that I want us to understand over the next four weeks. Is to just, just embrace not just what God wants us to do, but to really embrace who God wants us to be. And so we're going to be looking at a, a topic that... Oftentimes, we don't, we don't talk about. We're going to talk about decisions. We're going to talk about life decisions. We're going to talk about uh, our decisions with our time. The two most scarce resources on this planet are time and money. There's never enough of them. I mean, just think about your life right now. I could use a little more time, and I could use a little more uh, money, whether that's money to pay off debt or to go on vacation, if that's time to spend with your kids or to, to start planning the ministry or the dream that's in your heart, whatever that is. It's just a scarce resource, and so we need God's wisdom. We can make our plans. We can do all this, but we need God to direct our steps. We're going to take the steps. We're going to make the decisions, but we got to have him directing it and leading uh, the way. And so I want to go uh, to a, a real quick passage to kind of set the foundation. And it's when Jesus is calling his disciples. Uh, I joke with the production guys that oftentimes I give like a five-minute setup to that. So don't throw the scripture up yet. So like pr- prepare for the five-minute context so you know what we're going into. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's okay. That's just the reality of how I roll. But I'm not doing that today, guys, so let's go ahead and throw it up. We're skipping right into the text. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 16 through 20. Just a simple text to get us going today. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, uh, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets and followed him, just like walking into work, you know, like when Michael Scott is starting his paper company, and Pam is like, yeah, let's go, let's go. And she leaves, some office fans know what I'm talking about. She leaves. And so when he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. And without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired men and followed him. I mean... I love in this text, and every other time we see Jesus calling his disciples, I love the simplicity in which he invites them. I love the simplicity in which he invites them, but I, I love the simplicity in which he invites us to follow him. It's, it's not, hey, go take this class, or what most of us think, actually, probably before you walked in this church, you kind of had a whole conversation, well, I'm not ready, I probably need to get my life together a little bit more. Jesus didn't say any of that. Not go take this class and then come follow me. He said, just the simplicity, just come. Just follow me, untrained, uneducated, not super religious folk, unless you've ever met a sailor or someone on the boat. Not, not usually the people you would think, right? Sailors, you guys are used to uh, the, the coarse language and the, some of the stuff we, we see uh, on with fishermen. And so uh, he, he just calls them into this simplicity of following following him. And, and to, with this, they left family and they left jobs, their livelihood and their career. And it's, it's like you, you can tell they probably didn't like their job that much. <laughs> like to quit that easy, like literally you just met this guy and he's like, hey, you want to come? I'm like, yeah, I'm out. That's, you know, like I'm good. But Jesus really called them into it. So I'm going to teach you to fish for men. He's like, are you searching for purpose? Like, like he kind of run the well dry on fishing for fish. Like, I want to teach you to fish for men. I want to give you a purpose in your life if you'll just come and, and follow me. And I just love the simplicity here. And so we're going to let that simplicity of Jesus' invitation to come follow him 
And, and I can just tell you, maybe you're in this room and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus like these disciples did in this moment. And they didn't even know what they were getting themselves into. Neither did I when I was saying yesterday, I had no idea he would lead me to be a pastor and I tried to run from it, all these different things. I had no idea God has a path for us, but in order to follow that path, in order to be who he's called us to be, in order to do what we're called to do, we, we got to understand that first yes is the best yes we'll ever make in our whole life. And when we say yes to something, we also inevitably say no to something. They walked away from a livelihood. They walked away from their comfort zone of what they knew. They walked into a wild adventure over the next three years and the rest of their lives to what Jesus had called them into. Saying yes inevitably means saying no to other things. And so that's something that we'll have to to process as we walk through this decision-making best yes series uh, for our lives. But they, they, there's something here that when we follow Jesus, like when we, we turn our back on our, our old life, we turn our back on what life used to look like and how we processed things, we turn our back on our old life. And that doesn't mean we get rid of all of our old friends, but Jesus calls us into a newness of life. And he, first, he gives us new life. Like we're a new creation in Christ, not over the long haul. And then what he's doing through our life through obedience is we actually get closer and closer with every step of obedience, every yes, we get closer to living up to as best we can this side of eternity, to living up to that new creation that he's called us to be. And so I want us to process this, process this turning our backs and following Jesus um, with all that we have, with just our daily decisions, um, with just the simplicity of Mark 1 here, come follow me. But I want to build up around that because I know we're all going to be processing things in our own lives and our own journeys. Some of you just started to walk with Jesus. Some of you are like, this is new for me. I grew up in a very different background. We came from an irreligious background. Like we didn't do church. And, or some of you are like, hey, I'm just trying to, just trying to jumpstart my faith. I feel kind of stuck. I'm feeling like I'm hitting a lid and I just I need some momentum. I, I believe today is going to really help in this, these next 21 days for us. So let's help build up some things here. Let's, uh, the best yes is, is really it has to be spirit-led in our life. The best yes has to be spirit-led. We've got to be led by the spirit. There's really one verse for the past 15 years that I've processed and has just resonated within my heart that helps me understand how to make godly decisions and how to walk into the life that he's called me to. And it's Galatians 5, 24 and and 25, it, it says this, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified uh, the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's leave that up there for a second. Let's just process this. So those of you who belong to Christ, those are people who made a, a decision at, at one point in our life that says, I'm not dependent upon my own works for eternal life. I'm, I'm putting my faith in the grace of God, that he is a, a good God, and what Jesus did on the cross was enough for me, um, and that, by that I receive salvation, and, and that's those who belong to Christ, sons and daughters of God. But, but furthermore, I, I think some of us, we belong to Christ, but yet we've never crucified the flesh. We've never left the nets 
so to speak, of our old life. We've never left that. We didn't crucify the flesh. And really the word crucify really here means to drive a stake into it. Like it's, it's done. It's to do away with the dead life, which really the point of salvation is realizing every, the way I've been doing it is frankly not working. And even if upon people's eyes it looks like it's working, it doesn't work in God's eyes. And it's not the way he's uh, made our path to salvation and, and to oneness with him. And so uh, he draws us into this life in which we belong to him, but we must crucify the flesh. And he goes on to describe what that means. It means you've got to put the sinful life away. And some of us, we, we, we belong, but we're not putting anything away. We're not crucifying. We're not cutting anything off there. And he says, with its passions and desires, and oftentimes in the New Testament, when we see the word passion, like the passion of the Christ, it's about suffering and pain, but really uh, the way this word is rendered here in, in the Greek, it really speaks of our feelings. There's a, there's a lot of talk about feelings, and I think we need to talk about feelings. I've talked about how we can use our feelings to guide us in our decision-making, but, but I want to go a different direction today, and because some of our, like our feelings will lie to us. They will lead us astray. They, they will lead us down a, a path of darkness and of death. They will lead us back into sin. And, and we don't, we've got to crucify those feelings. I, and I hear this a lot, and I think we need to slow our roll on this just a little bit, which is where we say, I just feel like God. And, and let me tell you, God, I have felt like God is calling me to do things on a regular basis. But we got to be careful. Like when we hear that come out of our mouth, we actually need to slow down and be like, is this me feeling this? Or is this something God is actually asking me to do? Because otherwise, we actually break one of the Ten Commandments and we use the name of the Lord in vain. That's assigning that God put his stamp of approval on this to break up with so-and-so. <laughs> you ever had that happen before? Like, God told me to break up. You know, you just, what you just did think you were compatible and you want a scapegoat and you're using God as a scapegoat. Don't do that. It's using his name in vain, and often we just think that's about some kind of curse word, but it's, it's far deeper than that. But our desire, not just our passions, our feelings that have to be crucified and what we feel like we should do, but it's our desires, and our, it's our lustful desires, our, our desire for, for, for you know, a sex, like certain sexual things that under not under God's plan, or, 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 or our lust and, and desire for, for greed and for wealth, uh, our, our lust and desire for power, to, to be recognized or to be famous, like whatever that might be that's driving inner motivations. That's of the flesh. It's not of God. And so when we belong to Christ, we got to crucify those things. Otherwise, we can't do the, 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 the next verse, verse 25, we can't keep in step with his spirit. Because it's like, you guys remember this cartoon? I remember a cartoon uh, bit when I was a kid, and it was a chariot, and one of the cartoon characters was on the chariot, and there was two horses, and one of the horses went this way, and one of the horses went this way, and then the person's here, and they're straddling, and the chariot's split in half, and one horse is going that way, and that's what our spiritual lives look like. We're straddling, and we're exhausted, and like, we're, like something's going to rip soon, like something's got to change because the horses are running two different directions. Because we haven't crucified the flesh. We haven't, we haven't left the nets. We haven't, we're not following Jesus. Not just with the one time, yes, but the everyday, yes. It's like, like Paul said, we've got to crucify our flesh daily. We've got we to daily die to the flesh that we may be obedient to Christ and honor him with our lives. And I'll, I'll speak it like this, so that we can be who he's called us to be. 
and so that we can do what he's called us to do. We're looking for purpose beyond whatever it is you're not finding purpose in. Well, he's got it for you. We just got to make a, a choice in, in light of the glorious splendor of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which draw us into relationship through his kindness. But he has a plan for us life, for our lives. I'll put it like this. I know we're kind of processing what this looks like in our own life. When years ago, I was on staff at a church, and it was kind of in the, the major transition season of the church, and I was one of three pastors, four pastors on staff. It was kind of early in the the growth of that church, and uh, it was in a highly transient area. So we were right off interstate, and there was just there were just people in need every day that came to our door. It's a highly uh, homeless population, a highly drug-addicted environment in which uh, they would come up and we had a buzzer just for safety reasons, you know, one of those type of situations, to, and we'd, they would buzz us. And so about five times a day, at the time, I'm a worship and young adult pastor. So I preach, multiple, preach and teach multiple times a week. I lead worship three or four times a week, lead a lot of teams in the church. So that's kind of what I did with my life full-time. And, um, and so a lot of things to plan, a lot of things to prepare, and I, then the buzzer would happen five times a day. Five times a day, and I, I was kind of closest to the door, and so guess who got that buzzer? Like, we'd all kind of wait. We played this game for a while, and we're like, who's going to get it? Who's going to get it? I'm like, okay. I was always the first one. I'll jump on. So I, I went up, and five times a day, I was interrupted from other things I was doing. I'd come to the door, and I began to learn how, what this verse really meant. Because every single person had a story. And with every single person, there was need in front of me. But I just, it really just ramped up my prayer life because I didn't know what to do because I knew this person needed food and I knew this person needed shelter and I, and I knew I couldn't be the answer to all of it. And I know our, our church ministries didn't have the answer for all of it. And so, like, I know, like, well, so what do you do? Well, it was different every time. It's different because sometimes the interruption is the itinerary and other times the interruption is an interruption. <laughs> and I've got to keep in step with the spirit. But if, if I haven't crucified the flesh in that decision-making process of what am I supposed to do, then I'll just be like, oh, I'm busy. So sorry, we can't do anything. And I'll just keep making that decision based off of my feelings. I'll keep making decisions based off of the, the movement of the flesh and not what the Spirit is leading me to do. And through that, he's shaping who he has called me to become. And he's given me work that he's called me to do. And so sometimes it was breaking away for three hours to find a shelter for this person, to run them around town and find a hotel for one night because the church couldn't afford it, so I pay for it. And I'm not saying that to brag. But I'm just saying, but there was many days I couldn't do that. And I'm like, I'm Sorry, I wish we have a food bank. If there's anything else I could do, I, I wish I could. Can I pray with you for five minutes, for a minute? And we would just do that, and I would just release it to God's hands. And so may, maybe there's some things in your life right now as you're, you're looking at it, and there's just some flesh that hasn't been crucified. You're like, I, I love Jesus, but, but like this flesh thing is just, I, I can't break away from that part of my old life. Or, or maybe there's just some feelings that you can't get over. And, and we, they, need to be, they need to be crucified though. And I believe that God's going to lead us to keep in step with his spirit. Because if we're going to say the best yes, and not just for one time, but every day, we're going to need this, the guidance of his spirit on a daily basis to uh, lead and guide us. So uh, where are you at? Are, are you, do you ever ask, like, God, what do you want me to do? 
God, I got, I got two hours when I get home before the kids get down. If you've got kids in that age and, and, and I, the, the yard needs to be mowed and I, need, I feel like I need to help, you know, my neighbor. I feel like I need to do that. All these things just pulling us, pulling us. And I don't know about you, but I need, I need the Lord's help to like help me figure out what I need to do and when I need to do it. And so we got to keep in step with his spirit and crucify the flesh or else that doesn't work. We're just going to be pulled and ripped apart. The, the second thing is not only the best yes, uh, we got to be led by the spirit, but that the best yes is a direction. It's, it's not about perfection. And I think we get overwhelmed sometimes. I, I was talking to someone yesterday at our back to school bash and they're just overwhelmed by a decision that has to be made in their life. But what, what I want to encourage us today, it's, a, it's about direction, uh, not perfection. And uh, Taryn and I have this thing back and forth because we all have a, um, like a, a navigational app, like a GPS app that you are is like your go-to. Some people like Waze, some people like Apple Maps, Google Maps, MapQuest, whatever your thing is. Which, can, do you, can you guys believe that we used to get around using paper? Do you guys remember that? that was, how do we do that? How do we navigate the paper and printer paper. I mean, it's such a wild world. Some of y'all uh, are old enough to, to remember, uh, and you may still have it in your glove compartment right now in your car. You've got a Rand McNally in there. Anybody got a Rand McNally? Don't, don't come on. There's one person that's confessing it, right? And I know, I know, I get it. You don't trust, you know, technology. It's all going to break down one day, and, and you're right. It, it, it might, and it probably will, and we'll come, we'll come to your door. we be like, hey, can I borrow the Rand McNally? <laughs> I mean somebody for coffee, you know, we'll, we'll be at your, your door for it. So, but uh, there was, I always, Taryn and I always go back and forth because she'll pull up Apple Maps and, and not to, to throw shade at Apple Maps, but I hate Apple Maps. It's, it's terrible. Like I, that's the loudest y'all, like, come on, that's the, that's the biggest amen I got all day. It was like, Apple Maps is terrible. We found something we can agree on. So, um, no, but why I don't like it is because, and somebody's probably going to come up afterwards and explain to me how to fix this, okay? But it's always like an overview mode. It, it, there's, there's nothing like kind of get me in first person so I can navigate. It's always this overview, and I'm like, it's a right, but I'm looking at it backwards, so I think that's a left, but it's just like, and my brain's not smart enough, but like Google knows that I'm stupid, and Google knew, knows that I need to get it in first person, and so they had this little arrow that I can move away from the compass overview mode, and I hit that arrow, and it drops me into first person. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there we go. <laughs> it drops me into first person, and I'm like, it, it makes navigating so much easier, and the reason I, I bring that up is because I think a lot of us, we live in overview mode. We never slow down and hit the arrow and figure out what direction we're going. We, we, we're living in overview mode. We'll come in for the weekend. We'll hear a good message and be like, yeah, I feel like some outlines. I feel like I'm supposed to take a right somewhere and that was good stuff, man. And then we walk away. We walk away. We never actually hit the arrow and slow down our own heart. Like, God, am, I, am I going the right direction right now? And we find ourselves in circles and lost and we feel it, and then, but we don't communicate it. We don't slow down and actually verbalize it and process it, and we end up at a place that was not our final destination. We end up kind of going in a whole different direction than, than God's very best for us. And so the best yes isn't just about our yes to him, but it's, it's saying yes to the yes that he has for us, like the yes that he has over 
our lives. I was talking with one husband who they're, they're earlier in their marriage uh, right now, and he was sharing with me that last year at marriage conference was a, a pivotal moment because uh, their marriage was going okay, but, but that weekend kind of prompted some heavy conversations, some hard conversations, and, and it was kind of a moment in which they hit the arrow, and they just set a course, like, no, no, we're, this is the direction we're going, we're hitting this arrow, and they just, they just said, and he said, man, it changed, the, I believe it changed the course of our marriage. I believe that we would have been going a different direction had we not slowed down, had the hard conversations, and hit that arrow. And some of us need to have the hard conversation with ourselves today. We need to have the, the, the hard conversation with a spouse, or a fiance, or a boyfriend, or girlfriend, or a boss this week. You need to have a hard conversation that's hitting the arrow and slowing down, so we make sure we're going the right direction. Jesus said it like this, in Matthew 6, he said, if you'll seek first, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else is going to be added to you as well. Like, it's all going to come in line. But we got to get first things first. We got to get first things first. We got to be able to distinguish what he's calling us to and where he's directing our steps. But we got to be open to the leading of the Spirit, and we got to be open to making sure we're going in the right direction. Um, and so I, I just challenge you today. I, I know some of you may be thinking, like, how do I, how do I know if God's first? I feel like, you know, we do the church thing, and like we're we're tithing, and we try to serve, and we try. Uh, is God first? I, I'll just ask you like this: like, does He affect your decisions ever? Like, how often do you think, well, this is what I want to do, but I feel like this is actually what I'm called to do. This is what the Scripture reveals to me that I'm supposed to do. Like, how often? And that's me seeking him. Like, how many times, how many other people do I ask what I'm supposed to do before I ask God? How many other things come in my schedule before things that exalt and honor God with my heart? Like, how, like, just like, do, do we know? I mean, is he first? I mean, fifth? Sometimes, and here's where the third point, and we're going to land here. Saying yes to Jesus, the best yes, it's not always easy. It's, it's not always easy. I want to look to a text in Luke chapter 9, and Jesus is going to make this abundantly clear to us. Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through 62, says this. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, saying to Jesus, I'll, Jesus is telling the story, I'll follow you wherever you go, and Jesus is talking to him. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said, well, I'll go wherever you go. Um, verse uh, 59, uh, he said to another man, follow me. And he replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. You go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I'll follow you, Lord. But first let me go say bye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service in the kingdom of God. Like I I know you're probably reacting like I react when I heard this verse a long time ago, which is like, that ain't cool, Jesus. Like, they just want to hug their mom. Like, what's so bad about that? They just want to do what in our brain is like an honorable thing to go care for an ailing father and to be there at the time of their passing. I feel uncomfortable with this text in so many ways, but Jesus it's communicating something very deep about following him, about saying yes, not just the one time in the beginning, but every decision we make, every yes we say to him is, is that it's not going to be easy. You see, the, the first guy, like he said, I'll go with you wherever you go. 
Jesus is like, well, I'm going to be sleeping outside for the next year. You good with that, bro? Good to be homeless? Well, I got kind of back issues. That's not really going to work for me, you know? You said wherever. You said wherever you go. How many times have we done that? God, I'll go wherever you go. We sing it. We believe it in that moment. And then God tells us to cross the street and talk to our neighbor and to offer to pray with them. It's something he's moving us to do. And like, ooh, I can't do that. I got, you know, speech issues. And I just, I'm in, you know, insecure about that. And we got an excuse. I, I think we got to understand what Jesus is speaking to us today or else we'll just walk away offended and be like, this is too much for me. I want you to understand what he's saying. Following Jesus means saying yes, even when it's hard. For the first guy, he, he wanted to do whatever God had, but Jesus dropped it. He's like, okay, just I want you to know it. it I want you to count the cost because it's not, not all roses and butterflies. Like there's a reality of sacrifice in our life. There's a reality that some of the things he calls us to do, some of the yeses we have to make actually cost us something. In fact, God has impressed upon me that often, like, I'm going to be limited by my ability to sacrifice. And I think that's what I want you to understand today. For some of you, that you're coming up against a lid and you just feel like, I'm not growing. And not. Let me just tell you this. You're only going to grow up to your ability to endure and sacrifice. Like, it's always going to be a lid until we're willing to sacrifice something, until we're going to endure. And I don't, I don't know if that's financially for you. I don't know if that's in your time. I, I don't know if that's in the mornings, waking up early. Like this like week, Taryn's got me on like a beach body 21-day fix. And there has not been one day that I have wanted to. My feelings have said, nah, bro, sleep. Every single day, it's sacrifice sleep. And we've gotten up and we've done it every day except for one. I missed out. She rocked it like a beast. But I know that nothing's going to change in my body. Nothing's going to change in my health. Some of those muscles, they're, they're going to stay. I, I saw this thing recently that said, um, I'm, I'm 20% stud and 80% muffin. I'm like, that's my meme right there. That's my, that's my meme. And so I'm just trying to change my percentages, but I'm going to only come up to that lid as I'm willing to endure and sacrifice. So if you feel stuck, you're only going to grow to, to your ability to, to, to endure and sacrifice. And that's what Jesus is speaking to this man. He's like, I'll go wherever. Well, let's talk about it. Count the cost. Ministry of sacrifice, living a life of purpose is going to cost you something, but it's going to pay off way more than what you can ever imagine. He goes to the second guy, and this guy, Jesus actually invites him, says, come follow me, like he did with his earlier disciples. And, and, and the guy's like, well, I want to go bury my dad. It's kind of the last years. He's ailing. I'm, every single one of us in this room, probably, there's probably one person in this room that would be like, no, nah, let's do it. man." But the rest would be like, yeah, that makes sense. I'm really sorry you're going through that. We feel like that's the right decision to say. And Jesus said, let the, dairy, the dead bury their dead. It was like, whoa, that's intense. But Jesus is saying something bigger to us is that when we say yes to him, following Jesus is going to mean saying, saying no to good things. Like some of the decisions we have to make, and I think our early decisions are not just our, our, our early decisions are, are saying yes between good and evil, going the right direction, going the wrong directions. As we grow in our walk, those aren't hard decisions anymore. What becomes hard decisions is being able to discern and understand, is this a good thing or is this a God thing? And, and I'll just say like this, you'll only grow to the level of your ability to discern between what's good and what's God. 
And, and some of us, we're going to press up against this very soon as the busyness of life comes in. Maybe you're living that already right now. And you're just have, like, something's got to go. I can't continue at this, this pace. Like, I'm going to die at some point. And I'm just not enjoying my life at this pace. And we've we got to find margin. And we're going to talk about margin over the next couple of weeks with our time, with our money, so we can get back to being who God's called us to be and doing what he's called us to do. But we're only going to be a lid for us. It's going to be a lid if we can't discern what's good. Oh, that's a good thing. Like my kid being in, in year-round basketball because he loves basketball. And it causes us to travel all over the place. And it's thousands of dollars. And it's, I guess it could be a good thing. I would love to do that. I'd love to coach. There's lots of good things. But would it draw our family away from what's God? Yeah. Yeah, it would. So it's a thing we'll process. And you've probably got some things in your life that you've got to process. Is this good or is this God? And Jesus says the last thing to this last guy, and it, it seems the most innocent out of all of them. And he says, hey, I, I, let me just go hug it out with the fam. But Jesus speaks something very hard to him that, because I think Jesus, he knows our emotions. He knows what we're going through. And he knows for this guy, most likely if he goes back, he isn't coming. He's not turning around. Like he's going to go home and be like, I can't leave you guys. And Jesus knows that, and he's, he's speaking something to his heart, and I think he's speaking something to our heart, that when we say yes to Jesus, following Jesus, it's for the long haul. Like, Jesus used this example of a plowman who puts his hand to the plow and turns back. He's not fit, like, because why? Because when he turns back, he's going to come off course. He's, he's not going to be the person we need in that seat, and I don't know what's, what God maybe speaks that to your, your life, but he's got plans for who he has um, created, who has, he has created you to be, and the things he's called you to do. But we gotta, we gotta set our eyes and fix our eyes on him. Because here's what I believe. I believe that we're only gonna grow to our ability to focus and stay committed. To stay focused and stay committed. If, if it's short seasons, if like, man, we just committed, we're going to use our gifts for God. We just committed, you know, that we're going we're gonna to lean in, we're going to be here, and it's just a short time, and then when things get busy and when chaos comes in, we lose focus. We lose commitment. Well, Jesus had some harsh words for us there. He wants us focused. He wants us to be all that he's called us to be and to do all he's called us to do. Can, can I just be very transparent? with you this morning as we close and tell you there's more days than I care to confess that I want to quit. More times than I want to tell you about. And they usually don't last for long. They usually last a half a day, 24 hours. Um, uh, moments in which I'm just, my mind wanders and I'm like, God, I could probably find something that makes more money. God, I can find something that's less emotional baggage in my life, something that allows me to have less sacrifice on time with my family. I can think of a million other things. And I just begin to process that, and what I realize pretty quickly within a day or so, that I'm just trying to escape the hardness of it all. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, the majority of the time, there's no better job in the world than what I have to serve you and to lead as your pastor and I, I literally, in my heart of hearts, I don't ever want it to change. I, I, I want to be here forever with you. I just love you and love what God has called us to do. But there's also days that some, it's the worst job in the world. It's just hard. It's just hard. And I want to hit the escape button. I just dream of something else. I'm guessing you do that too. 
I'm guessing you have days where it's just hard. Like, you know that's what you're supposed to do, but you can't bring yourself to make the hard decision and stay focused and stay committed. But I, I don't know what God's speaking into your heart today, but I, I believe in this moment, I think there's some people in the room who maybe you've never said yes to Jesus. Like, like a moment in the simplicity of come follow me, dropping the nets and turn, or, or maybe you said yes, but we, like, we're still hanging onto our nets and we're dragging our nets around and they're, and they're dragging us down and we've got a split chariot situation because we've not crucified the flesh. I don't, I don't know where you're at in this, but I know I need the Spirit's guidance to help me on a daily basis and I, and I believe you do too. Uh, I, I believe that I don't always get it right and, and I'm guessing you, you probably don't either. But just remember, like saying, yeah, it's about the direction. Get that arrow. Slow down. Maybe, maybe Sundays, maybe small groups, maybe your morning Bible study is hitting that arrow. God, just point me. Seek you first. God, set my eyes on you today. Make sure my mind just is focused on you and committed, God. And I realize, God, it's not going to be easy. But I know it's going to be good. It's the best yes we'll ever make. I want to ask you to stand. I want to pray with you today. And if you'll just bow your heads I just want to talk to you for a minute and just, just I want to pray for you, but I, I want to know who I'm praying for. So if you'll just close your eyes and bow your head. Maybe you're here today and, and um, you said yes to Jesus one time, or maybe you've never said yes to following Jesus. Maybe you said yes and you haven't left the nets. You say, man, I, I need a fresh start today. I, I want to recommit my life to following Jesus, just without any fanfare, without anybody looking around. If that's you today, will you just lift your hand so I can know who I'm praying for? I want to pray for you today to recommit myself to focus on Jesus, to live for him. Thank you. You can put your hand down. If you're in this room that says, Pastor, I just feel like I'm hitting a lid. I, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of, maybe I'm moving the right direction, but then I, I just, I don't know. I don't have the momentum and Maybe it has to do with my decisions and my ability to endure and stay focused. And I just, I want you to pray for me that, that the Spirit would lead me and empower me with this. If that's you, will you raise your hand? I just, hitting the lid and I just, I need to walk fresh. Thank you. You can put your hand down. I want to pray for you today as we close and this band's going to lead us. God, I just thank you right now for this room of people who, who say yes, God not just by our presence, but we lift hands and we recognize, God, that we say yes to you. We say yes to your plan for our lives, God. And far too often, God, we've been distracted. Far too often, we want to escape and we want to eject when things get hard, when we're stuck. But God, you are calling us to endure. You're calling us to sacrifice. God, you're calling us to slow down and hear your voice to be led by your spirit, to crucify the flesh. God, you see where every single individual is today. Holy Spirit, comforter, would you come? Would you, the word comforter literally means paraclete, which means to come alongside of. You are not alone in what decisions you need to make. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you today. He wants to guide you tomorrow, but we gotta engage and open ourselves up and just say, yes, God, Holy Spirit, guide me. Father, direct my steps. God, we are open. We give you our heart. We open up to you. In Jesus' holy name, amen.